Section 5 of Collected Prose by James Elroy Flecker This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Ben Lindsay Clark, Bournemouth, UK, TreehouseTheatre.com Section 5 Candilly That there are landscapes whose beauty is intrinsically mournful, I admit. There are summer afternoons in England where the clouds lie low on the horizon and the shadows of the hedges stretch out over the fields whose loveliness we recognise as sad. But in other lands than England reign endless sunshine and bright colour, and the scene that has met my eyes all to-day should make the veriest dullard dance to behold its radiant joy. I have been staring for hours out of my window to-day, letting my thoughts and glances wander down the cobbled and precipitous street of Candilly, where dog and man lie sleeping, past the village minaret, out across the Bosphorus and all the myriad laughter of the tiny waves, to the further shore where rise the chivalrous old towers of Rumeli Hissar which men called the Castle of Damalis five hundred years ago. If the world holds a fairer prospect, I, who have wandered a little, have not seen it. Yet all its brightness and splendour does but fill my mind with sorrow and unrest. I have been watching for three hours the tracts of warm light on those giant rounded keeps, and the thousand boats that ply the highway of the Salt Sea River, sad I know not why. I have waited till evening, idle in my chair, till the brown castle walls turned gold and the blue sea white and wet, till the sun went down not amid the patches and pageantry of our northern settings, but gently leaving a sky as softly coloured as the petal of a rose, and the lamps were swung high onto the masts of the great ships steaming out to Russia through the gloom. Sick at heart with so much loveliness was I, and then brief twilight came, netting the world in spectral blue, till I cried out for darkness like a cave-beast blinded by the glare. And now darkness is here with her fixed and trailing stars, and the whole European shore is ablaze, from Therapia to Stamboul. The muezzin has cried from his little minaret, the Ottoman night has begun. Is it unmanly or decadent of me to long for a slag-heap or a gas-work, or any strong, bold, ugly thing to break the spell of this terrible and malignant beauty that saps body and soul? Yet there are few who did not feel what they might call a touch of sadness, in sweet popular phrase, when first they saw the boundless sea, or mountains capped with snow. The misery I feel lies deep in the nature of man. Such thoughts as I am thinking, millions have thought before. For here, it seems, is the very face of beauty. Here one may gaze into her eyes and watch them change. But who am I to enjoy this high gift of the gods? What can I do with it? How make it my own? Why is it there, part of my foolish everyday life? Can I treat it as a common thing? To deserve, to enjoy this magnificence, a man should have a high work or at least a noble plan. 
a poet might sing of it and find peace, or a painter paint it. Glorious would it shine to a man returning from a long journey, if among those countless lights one light meant home. Even to me these scenes were joyful that day I rode over the Anatolian hills, and the weariness of body banished all sickness from the mind, and my head was void of fancies, and I saw little as we cantered along the sandy tracks, save spars of sunlight and flashes of sea. But now, though my limbs are aching to be up and doing, I am fascinated by deadly wonder, and he who sinks before this spell sits in his chair for hours and plays with dreams. He dreams of a mistress as Thais gentle or as Helen fair, and of the palace one might raise upon the hill in marble symmetry and store with curious broideries of the east, and of all that life might be to a man who conquered it, and why Antony was wise. And he dreams vain private hopes of his own of which he is ashamed, and he ponders on the narrow lane of sea and of all that ancient histories have told him of sultans and emperors, he remembers how the proud flags of Venice once flew splendid in the breeze, and how the relentless Romans before them built walls and ways, and how once the little Argo rounded the point with blue-eyed Jason on her prow, and the merry toiling crew bound on the first adventure of the world. And a light fever distracts the dreamer's body, and his mind longs for some coercive chain and he begins to understand why men of the East will sit by a fountain from noon to night and let the world roll onward. End of part five.